0: Welcome back, everybody. Steve with Sons of Adelium coming at you once again with Charles Coulomb, who's kind of like a figurehead of the channel anymore. Coming from the How Eastern it? Front, of yeah, Western, right. Eastern Front? Yeah, Eastern Front Eastern of Austria. Front.
1: <laughs> That's right, Yavero. <Yeah>, <laughs> ich bin hier, mein Kapitän.
0: <laughs> we're all comrades now.
1: <laughs> no, we're, we're uh, yeah. It's 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 sad, you know. In my own uh, podcast last week. I likened the, uh, I had a lot of fun with the notion of Chaz as being a a, a secret uh, hideout for neo-Confederates. And would you believe that annoyed? Because I ended by saying that I hoped Chaz would get reconstruction the way the South did. Oh, wow. I got some really (laughs) unkind responses on that. I'll tell you. And they did not like my imitation of a Southern I got to tell you. They Uh,
0: did not. Nobody has Uh, a sense of humor anymore.
1: No, no. But it got renamed.
0: it's rebranded.
1: Chaz is rebranded. Isn't it like Toad or something like that now? <laughs> Chump is what it should be called. <laughs> Capitol Hill United Mobile uh, uh, what begins with P. Prats. <laughs> <laughs> United Mobile Prats Chump.
0: Yeah, it's hard. it has is is yearly a week old it already got a name changed.
1: <laughs> well, at least at least they're extorting money out of the local merchants. Now that's something. You know, you, you've got to give them the old American know-how.
0: It's change you can believe in.
1: I, I, yeah, I can believe in that change, <laughs> all right. You know, I, I always think of, uh, well, there's a, a, a neighborhood in Long Island. I don't want to mention the name. It's Bensonhurst. And a lot of the mafiosi live there. Well, to be fair, they keep it pretty uh, pretty decent. You know, there's, there's very little higgly-piggly where they live. And there's no real extortion anymore in Bensonhurst. But years ago, this old lady, you know, yeah, no, an old man, an old Italian gentleman owned a store, and this black guy goes by. Well, the old man was outraged that a black guy was in Bensonhurst, absolutely outraged. So he goes to the Italian-American friendship hall or whatever it's called, where the local bigwigs hung out. And he runs in front of the uh, the big one. I forget his name. We'll call him Don Giovanni. Well, that wasn't it. He says, "Don Giovanni, I pay protection. You let this this black man go by my house and go by my shop." He says, "It's it's not protection. You just pay an annual contribution. I pay protection. I'm sick of this." He says, "It's it's it's not protection. I'm telling you. Listen, I've been paying protection for years like my father before him. You should be doing something." <laughs> well. Unfortunately, my Italian accent turned into New York Jewish. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but it did. My you sound accents like you got a good run...
0: pizzeria around the corner, though.
1: <laughs> no, my, my accents tend to run together when I'm tired. You know, It's, it's just the way it goes. Anyway, seriously speaking, though, uh, yeah, America's burning. Uh, statues are being toppled. Morons running through the streets. Stupider every day, you know.
0: There's a uh, DVD only... series coming out, I think. Morons go wild.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, gosh, but uh, the only thing worse than the morons in the streets are the morons in the city halls and the uh, state capitals. Because they have, they're supposed to be grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to be grown-ups. And they you, you know, there's a... Uh, Let's just say that there's a uh, an old country saying about useless as a portion of a of a non-existent portion of a bull's anatomy, and that's about what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah, you know uh, these guys, these guys. I'll tell you what, they're like steers used for breeding stock. Uh, You know, something's going wrong, and nobody understands why. You know, go out and milk the steer. I don't think so.
0: I know that like here Cooper's up for re-election against this guy in Forrest and Forrest is talking about every good thing I mean he's just hitting all the good points and Cooper's is doing you're looking at him going Does this guy know he's trying to go for re-election how much stupider can he legislate up there
1: well, apparently pretty stupid you know <laughs> I heard about the uh, the Confederate uh, monuments attacked in Raleigh last night uh this has to stop, ladies and gentlemen there has to be an end to this. If there isn't, somebody will end it, and not in a nice way. So either those creatures that inhabit city halls and state houses have got to kind of remember what they're sucking money out of the public for, or A, they need to be replaced at the ballot box, or B, they'll be replaced willy-nilly.
0: And this is a perfect example of people need to pay attention to local and state governments and forget about D.C. for a change.
1: I have been saying this for years, uh-huh. but this is where the pedal hits the metal, ladies and gentlemen. While England slept, well, while America slept, while America slept, ladies and gentlemen, you were being robbed blind. Why do I? What do I mean? Do I mean your money was being spent? on stupid stuff? Well yeah, he was to a great degree. But that is not what I mean really by theft. I mean these morons have been drawing salaries for what? You know, one of the things that people used to make fun of the old the old machines of the Northeast, Tammany Hall and uh you know, people like that in New York and Philadelphia and Boston and Jersey City. Uh, I don't want to refer to the train wreck that is Chicago, but Mayor Daley was a typical example of the northern machine. And these people, let's say their bookkeeping might have been a little shoddy, if you get my drift, uh, but they kept the streets safe and clean. Now, what is it you pay taxes for again? I don't know. What could it be? I pay taxes because that's my job. I'm like a cow. I get milked. I'm like a sheep. I get fleeced. No. Uh, If you're a human being and a citizen of these United States, you're not really just an animal to be fleeced and milked, Mm -hmm. although both happens to you at once, which is interesting. You're a strange breed of cow indeed, a strange breed of sheep. In that you can be fleeced and milked at the same time. But there it goes. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, as soon as the next election comes along, I don't care if it's municipal. I don't care if it's for the dog catcher in Slackjar Gulch. You have an obligation to keep yourself informed and to do something about these people. And if they're incumbents and they have done nothing, they need to go bye-bye. And they need to be replaced by people who will do the job. This must end. This is insanity.
0: I'd argue if you can't find somebody that can do the job, then you get in there and do the job.
1: There's that. Because if people do not end this properly, according to law, oh, it'll end all right, but not in a nice way. And the people who who will end it are not people that I would care to be ruled by. You know, they're they're not going to be strangling you softly with feather boas the way our current masters do. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, you know, the entire country has become like the the boudoir of some frowsy madam somewhere. It's got to end. It's got to stop. And, you know, the, the, the Trumpster, he is not the messiah. Everybody thinks he was. Uh, not everybody, of course, half the country hated his guts, but the half that didn't hate his guts, a chunk of them thought it was Messiah, We want a Messiah. Um, and this latest Supreme Court decision, alongside the one that backed up the uh, state against the church, that tells you where we are. So, be careful, ladies and gentlemen. And maybe we should start thinking about a third party for 2024.
0: So you're saying, don't put your hopes in princes?
1: Yeah. Although a much smarter and better man than me said that a long time before I did. (laughs) So anyway, there's so much for current events, although we're not going to escape them. No. uh, Because it's the British side and the European side of this stuff, and the Canadian and Australian side of it. I mean, it's, it's bad enough here. No, not here. I'm in Austria. But it's bad enough in America. But at least you've got A, the historical background and B, the murder of the gentleman in Minneapolis. I'm not going to mention his name because he doesn't deserve to have it linked to this crap. He had his own issues but nobody deserves to be attached to this garbage. So semi kind of surreally, maybe approaching something or other as it might be in the states overseas, it's crazy. Utterly crazy. Especially, you know, in Canada. Canada's where the Underground Railroad went. Mm-hmm. They have all these songs about how Queen Victoria is waiting for us. Uh, I, I know people don't know that the way they don't know about Juneteenth. Well, I do. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you know your history, uh, A, you're probably not in charge of anything today. But <laughs> B, uh, either either in government or in the street, you're probably not you know, if you know your history, you're not in a leadership position, yeah. you know, because stupidity and ignorance and arrogance is key to, the, to being in a position. Top qualifiers. <laughs> but, having said that, um, so the, the idea of this Canadian thing is just nuts. And in Britain, uh, you know, see, Britain didn't go through Reconstruction and Civil War and Jim Crow for an important reason. It was because slavery was abolished gradually in the british empire first they banned the slave trade in the 1790s and from that time on any slave ship that the royal navy caught was liable to be seized and the slaves released we don't know that because we don't know anything Ooh. then in 1807 slavery was abolished in great britain itself mm-hmm. now, it remained in the colonies until 1833 but they did something really funny They paid the slave owners. Now, what did this do? It meant that there was no radical disruption in West Indian society. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the West Indies to this day are benefiting from that. You know, again, people don't like to talk about this, but I will. Uh, West Indian blacks are often resented in the United States by our native blacks because of their considered snobbery and pushiness and so on and so forth. Well, this is a very different culture to that of the American black. And that's because it has a very different history. Just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyway, the the, uh, thing is that the, obviously the uh, payment of the slave owners was... uh, undertaken by the British taxpayer, you want to guess when the last bit of that debt was paid off? Say when? Yeah. Say 1980.
0: 2015.
1: 20, uh. Yeah. So, this stuff in Britain is just utterly crazy. Which brings me, to, however, to why it's an issue in Britain and in Europe and elsewhere. You can sum it up in two words, just as American whites are supposed to feel guilty over slavery, Europeans in general are supposed to feel guilty about colonialism and imperialism. Well, I have one thing to say to that. Bunk. Sheer, unmitigated, complete, total garbage. But mind you, this is why the statues of Columbus and Father Sarah are being torn down. Not Albert Pike, founder of Freemasonry. His statue was pulled down, presumably, because it was either because, A, he was a Confederate general, or B, either it was because he was a Confederate general, or simply because he was an imposing-looking man in a statue. And as we know, all people depicted in statues are, by definition, racist. Doubtless, this will soon include... Uh, people like Booker T. Washington, Martin Luther King, and so on. If you're a statue, you're probably racist. It doesn't matter what you are. Anyway, moving along. Um, So then, what is the major complaint against the expansion of Europe across the globe, which, amongst other things, resulted in these United States? Well, well, It's firstly the idea that the indigenous peoples that they encountered were living in complete, beautiful, and just Edenic conditions. They were themselves noble savages who were always perfect, and by the way, lived in complete accord with nature. And they were totally green, completely environmental friendly. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not true. The indigenous peoples were, before they were even indigenous, they were peoples. And as soon as you say people, guess what? You have said difficulties and problems. You have said murder. You have said war. You have said killing. That's what you said, because you have said people. There's no way around it. So, what was going on before the Europeans came to Africa and Asia and India and uh, the Americas. Wars and rumors of wars, conquests of all kinds, large populations being wiped out and enslaved, Um, kind of like they were all human beings. But then, then came the white sails of the Europeans. What did these white sails bring? Now, depending depend on where they went. If they went to the west coast of Africa, those white sails were great because in the late 1400s, something terrible had happened. Africa, you see, the west coast anyway, was made up of little tiny kingdoms that fought each other constantly. The reason for this was so that their kings would have something to sell. Prisoners. Slaves. But then the Tuaregs in the north, the lions to North Africa where they used to sell their slaves. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, the kings of the west coast of Africa had a problem. They had a whole bunch of human cargo and no one to take it off their hands. When suddenly the gods of commerce smiled, the white sails appeared and their economic problem was solved. At last, new buyers. So, They were duly bought by the slavers and brought to the Americas. And their lives were not pleasant, to be sure. Though they were better in Catholic countries than they were in the English colonies. Why? Well, because the church required a lot out of slave owners. It required that the slaves be made Catholic. It required that that if a uh, child was fathered on a slave woman, the master had to acknowledge him or her as his own and that began the rise of the great class of free people of color in the west indies and louisiana and other parts of latin america uh, as in the east indies so in the uh in the uh, latin american countries the church encouraged intermarriage between whites and the locals the other result It was the creation of tons of uh, cultures and peoples and nations we have today. The the Europeans brought all sorts of benefits. Now, interestingly enough, they did, of course, bring some diseases unwittingly, but they got a few in return. Syphilis they got from the United States, from the Americans, rather. Brought that back to Europe. We don't realize what a killer syphilis was when it first came to Europe because there was no resistance to it. And it did some pretty horrible things, but such is life. But beyond the practical and material benefits the Europeans brought all over the world, above all, they brought the Catholic faith. They very often didn't bring it perfectly, and very often the behavior of Europeans kind of warred against what the missionaries were trying to do it's uh, one reason why, if you go to uh, Central California today, you will find that uh, Carmel Mission is at some distance from the Presidio of Monterey. Well, the reason is because the uh, uh, so the Spanish soldiers had been, shall we say, been difficult with the Indians, and so Father Sarah insisted that they be kept very far separate. And you had a lot of people like him. You had a lot of people like St. Francis Xavier. You had all sorts of incredible folk who evangelized the world outside the Americas. And you had apparitions of Our Lady. Places like, uh, and even St. Michael in Mexico. You had Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. And you had Our Lady of Le Vang in Vietnam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in the end, the best, greatest thing the Europeans brought the rest of the world was the Catholic faith. But they also brought a lot of other uh, tremendous things. And the what makes me giggle uncontrollably is that all of these conversations are only possible because of European culture going around the world and the technology that arose from it. We could not be doing this. These little rioter people, these little looters, and these little statue breakers imagine what they would be like without their cell phones little darlings they would have to I don't know maybe learn to do something useful maybe become plumbers or something that's
0: been my my joke so put a little EMP in the middle of those riots you'll see these things quit
1: (laughs) well at the end of the day the problem is you have a whole class of people primarily developed in universities who have no business, no business at all, being uh, uh, in college. They're taught dribble by Marxist professors who don't know anything themselves. One thing that is definitely, I think, coming out of all of this, quite apart from the failure of government, is the failure of the university. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we see, you know, we've been talking about it for decades, but now we see it has concrete results, These people have no usable skills, they don't know anything. All they have is discontent, because on some level they know that they're useless waste waste of space. I don't mean that intrinsically. Uh, By my way of looking at things, given that I am a Catholic, each of them has an intrinsic value as a son of God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But since most of them don't recognize that, they don't really have any value to themselves. And the way you deal with that terrible feeling is you avoid it by striking outward. And they've been indoctrinated by so-called professors who have given them all sorts of targets and no real learning. So the university system, the whole educational system, really needs an overhaul. Badly. Badly. Um, I, I really... There's a hard rain's going to fall, as they used to sing in the old civil rights days. That was a civil rights song. There's a hard rain's going to fall. And I, you're already seeing the first drops. The question is what direction will it go in? But at any rate, uh, just to close out my uh, oration on imperialism and colonialism, the, there were minor colonial powers, but of course the four great colonists were the French, the British, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the Dutch and Swedes and all. The Dutch actually did quite a bit. But uh, And then there were Belgians, Italians here and there. But by and large, those were the big four. And Russia, if you consider that they went from the Ural Mountains to Vladivostok. You know, we tend to leave Russia out of everything, but the truth is the story of the conquest of Siberia is as extraordinary as the taming of the frontier in our country, and as filled with strange and bizarre episodes. We don't know about it because we don't speak Russian, but believe me, it, it happened. It was quite amazing. Um, where does this leave us? Well, the interesting thing, you know, is that for all our global civilization is yapped about, it sits firmly on imperialist, colonialist foundations. And even the United Nations, which has a whole body dedicated to decolonization, is always saying how terrible colonialism is and blah 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 think about the goals they have set themselves. It's the white man's burden tipling's poem Take up the White Man's Burden, send forth the breast you breed. uh, send forth thy sons to exile to serve thy captives' need. Uh, To wait in heavy harness on flooded folk and wild, your new-caught sullen peoples, have devil and have child. And the line in it that specifically makes me think of the UN is, take up the white man's burden, the savage wars of peace. Fill full the mouth of famine and bid the sickness cease. Well, if that isn't peacekeeping. The FAO and the WHO in one verse. I don't know what is. <laughs> and so I say, the United Nations have arrogated to themselves the white man's burden. Whether they've done it as well as the old colonial powers did is another question. But you would be hard put to find a single country that has actually benefited by independence, even our own. Uh, we certainly, uh, whatever others should say about us, as uh, John Adams put it, never were our taxes so low as they were under the king. And God knows they haven't gotten less since John Adams' time. So I, uh, I think that the whole anti colonialism, anti imperialism thing has to just stop. Give it up unless you're willing to stop speaking a colonial language, stop wearing European clothing, stop using European technology, stop eating European food, and uh, stop using European medicine. Mm-hmm. Go find yourself a shaman when you get sick and sit there in the mud. And as I say above all, don't no more colonial languages, no more European languages. Learn an indigenous language and then find some way to express yourself that doesn't use technology. Hmm. That is what I've got to say about imperialism, colonialism. I, you know, one of the the great things about it too was that a well-run empire always had the knack of bringing the ablest of its subjects into it. Of picking things up and adding them to its great store. You know, there's a reason, for instance, why Western Europe was Romanized. Despite the tremendous resistance to the Gauls, the tremendous resistance to the Britons the Spanish to the Romans. They became the most Roman people in the empire. Why? Well, let me see. The religion was Druidism, which was really awful. I mean the Romans were not what you would call easily disgusted. But they would go into the blood-dripping sacred groves of the Druids, and they were just, The thing is that the Romans brought a better way of life. We're not even talking about necessarily religiously better way of life, except that they ended human sacrifice, which I guess probably was a plus in the eyes of some of their new subjects. Uh, It's funny how people are, the Aztecs have the same problem. When you sacrifice people, after a while, they tend to resent it. I mean, not not the specific ones you sacrifice. They they don't really express themselves, but the their survivors. Yeah, they they, they tend to get a little bit out of sorts with you.
0: Yeah, I was about to bring that up because wasn't it that when Cortes came over, he had the indigenous help him because they were tired of being seeing their friends' hearts being cut off.
1: Yeah, all, all of the all of the uh, Aztec Indian subjects revolted against them and joined the Spanish. Yeah. So. And, of course, you know, when people say, well, life wasn't that great under the Spanish during the conquest, it's better than it was under the Aztecs. (laughs) So, you know, similarly, Matanis Matanis, another related historical issue, is, of course, the terrible treatment that the Spanish gave the, the Indians. Well, in what part of the Americas are Indians and their descendants, the larger segment of the population? And what area were they not? Oh, that's right. Anglo-America versus Latin America. I'm sorry. Another one of those good questions. We know that uh, England was well run and good and democratic. Whereas France, Spain, and Portugal were horrible and Catholic and, and monarchies that were you know, absolute and just terrible. Well, I understand all that. But why is it it was pulling teeth to get people to leave those countries to come to the New World? And it was always easy to find Englishmen to come over. Usually you don't leave your ancestral home unless it's just not that nice a place anymore. (laughs) That's how that works. I hate to spoil it for anybody, but, I mean, if you remember that it was at the height of the Inquisition that they found it impossible to bring Spaniards over. <laughs> uh, I, I hate to bring these things up, ladies and gentlemen, because I realize they challenge long-held, dearly-held beliefs. But if your head is filled with garbage, you've got to empty it sometime. Otherwise, it just festers and gets covered with maggots, and you end up getting elected mayor or governor. What? <laughs> not, that's not a bad thing, being a mayor or governor. You get a big salary. You don't do much. I should and put Cuomo's face kind of, up right now. <laughs> yeah, and then there's any kind of an emergency, you just sit back and let the city burn, right? Yeah. Yeah, you play a fiddle. But, I mean, when there's a pandemic, you can seize total power and confide people to their homes. And then when there are people rioting and looting, you can't do anything. You just sit there and go, I don't know. I don't know. I know I look stupid, but wait till I talk. (laughs) Let
0: me me drop to a knee.
1: (laughs) I'd love to make them drop to their knees, all right. But not in ways they'd enjoy. Uh These people. Honestly, I tell you, Steve... it is It is an utter failure of the leadership class and they need to go no ifs, no ands no buts and ladies and gentlemen the other thing you've got to bear in mind too and this I'm quite serious about you've got like your friends in uh, Greensboro you've got to be ready to defend your churches you really have to Now, mind you, we Catholics in America have been through this before. Now, we have a short memory, unlike other groups who remember every terrible thing that was ever done to them. We Catholics tend to forget, because forgiveness is a big part of our religion. But in the 1830s and 40s, there was one of the periodic anti-Catholic movements. In this case, it was called the Know-Nothing Movement. And in Philadelphia, and in uh, Charleston, and in Boston, Convents and churches were burned and Catholics were hung from lampposts. But the mayor of New York at the time was a know-nothing. And Archbishop then, John Hughes, Dagger John, was called in to see him. And he said to the mayor, I really hope that nothing happens in uh, New York as has happened in Charleston and Philadelphia and Boston. And uh, the mayor said, I suppose you're afraid for your churches, huh? <laughs> and Dagger John said, Oh, no. I'm afraid for your city. Because if a single Catholic life is taken, or a single Catholic property torched, we will make of this place another Moscow. Uh, it burned under Napoleon. And you know, nothing happened in New York. we strange. Hard to understand. I don't get it. What could that have meant? so my advice to you ladies and gentlemen if your parish is in an area that is likely to be hit consult the chief of police and explain to him that if your parish is not properly protected bad things could happen and we don't want bad things we want police who are doing their job now if it is that the mayor of the place has Hobbled the police, as often happens, then you must make it clear to his honor that bad things could happen. Never threaten, only predict.
0: I put out a tweet saying, uh, Get a group together, prepare, plan, and then get ready to execute.
1: Yep, yep, because if the police will not defend us, who will? And if the police will not defend us, remember, it's not their fault. It's the moron in the city hall who needs to be out of a job. So, two warnings. Make sure your parish is safe and be prepared to vote in your next municipal elections. And if the mayor and the city council have hobbled the police and have not maintained order, they need to go.
0: And most people don't know the local guys. So if that's, I mean, it's part of the problem is no one, no one looks. There's people that run every year unabated. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I voted in my town of Monrovia. Uh, I voted the last municipal election and only like 10%, 15% of the people did. Uh Every, except for the mayor's office, everything was unopposed. Uh Mm-hmm. And the fellow running against the mayor was an actor who was hoping it was a way of launching his career, which I guess it wasn't. I never heard of him again. But mind you, that doesn't bother me so much in Monrovia because the city is very effectively governed by an interesting coalition of preservationists and downtown merchants, which, you know, benefiting themselves, they really have benefited the rest of us. But how many places does it really work like that? our neighboring town of Arcadia, I don't want to point fingers, of course, Uh, but they took advantage of Reno versus New London to condemn a whole section of, uh, there's a restaurant, uh, uh, storage area, and things like that. They condemned it all. Uh, They were going to sell it to a local car dealership to expand, and they were going to loan him the money from federal redevelopment funds to buy the the spot from them. <laughs> now, that, I'll tell you what, that that, that was our next-door neighbor. But fortunately, uh, what happened there was that the restaurant I referred to was very popular in that town, and its owner is a very popular man. Mexican immigrant, by the way. Came up with nothing, started out as a dishwasher at that very restaurant, and ended up buying it. You know, rose up through the ranks, ended up becoming manager. Then when the old guy wanted to retire, he bought the restaurant. So he's extremely popular in that town. And so he started several petition drives. And at the very next election, what happened? Well, several things. Firstly, this deal was destroyed. Secondly, uh, a measure was passed, which the Supreme Court graciously allowed municipalities to do, to add to the charter that, this could never happen again oh and the three city councilmen responsible for the whole sweetheart deal thing they were unemployed yeah
0: yeah no, ladies and gentlemen by if by. you guys could we keep talking about wanting a abolish abortion and these things like this marches is yeah cool okay you guys go everyone goes march nothing happens from march that's why 40 years nothing has changed and you march all the time they say hey we'll see you next year if you get into office and we get some catholics that actually want to do something good people with good will maybe we could change some things
1: maybe you could change things and also you can those marches are particularly effective on the local level yes there's a reason why Planned Parenthood hasn't opened up in Monrovia and that's because there are enough monrovians who hate planned parenthood uh-huh. and when they attempted to put to set up let's just say it didn't go very well
0: yeah they tried that in uh charlotte downtown charlotte there's a black community not too far from the cathedral and all the black folk know about what Planned parenthood stands for and they got a little uppity.
1: oh and poor planned parenthood I didn't go bye bye so that didn't make the news oh no of course not it, it doesn't fit the narrative nah. but we have to rip the narrative up as I like to say forget the narrative stick to the facts so I I would just say ladies and gentlemen the other thing is that everyone and everything and Satan himself are trying to go to into hating and believe me I feel it as much as anyone I feel the resentment every time I see a statue go down I want to break something but you must not give in to the temptation to hate. Because remember, most of the Antifa people are stupid children raised out of broken and worthless homes, uh, sent to school by parents who figured that college was the way up, up to what we don't know. Uh, You know, if there's anything this country is lacking, it's skilled artisans, uh, skilled laborers, skilled working men, we don't We need tie and dual people. We need stevedores. We need plumbers. We don't need gender studies uh, uh, majors. There certainly is a place for, for higher education, but it has to be education in order for there to be a place for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's amazing to me It's so many of these children who months ago was seeking refuge in safe spaces, whenever they heard anything very upsetting oh, 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 are now out breaking things, so the trick is to send them scurrying back to their safe spaces and then figure out what to do with them because they don't have any real skills they don't have anything i uh, someone sent me uh this it's it's uh, what do you call it uh It is, uh, my mind's going, it's anonymous, but I think it's quite accurate. It goes like this. Some of you have done nothing with your life and you're mad. You have a college degree and a smartphone with access to virtually anything. And you can barely get out out of bed in the morning while you spit on people who build a whole world with nothing but a horse, map, and axe. You've made nothing with access to everything. You've made nothing with access to everything. You've conquered nothing. You can't even conquer yourself. So go tear it all down. Scream into the void how unfair it all is. It's not that you've wasted your short time here. Surely not. Don't bother with your own legacy. You're busy excreting on the long dead who aren't here to care. Go burn down every Starbucks, that'll show them. Torch the target, tear down every monument, deface every memorial. But what have you built? What do you leave behind? So take your benzos. Watch your porn. Get Uber to drop off your dinner. Buy an adult coloring book. Have sex with strangers to ease your crippling anxiety. It's not you. It's the system, really. It isn't fair. Go cancel someone. Dox someone. They deserve it. You're the good guy. Don't write an epic novel worth building a statue to remember you. Go troll seven-year-old problematic tweets ever on the hunt for the boogeyman. See, now you've accomplished something. Cancel everyone. You're a warrior now, a real hero. And lastly, whatever you do, never, ever take even a moment to self-reflect on your own failures. Never own them. Never take a hint of responsibility. Remember, you're just a helpless victim of circumstances beyond your control. This all means nothing. It's like you weren't even here. That is a harsh saying, ladies and gentlemen. You mean a it. very harsh saying. You meanie. Yeah, well... Give
0: somebody a bunny, the pet, for that one.
1: Well, you see, sadly, what do people get like that now? going to be like when they're my age?
0: Wait till they get running office.
1: If they if they live that long. What kind of lives do they have? Uh-huh. What do they got to show for themselves? Not much. And when real problems hit, and they will, this little pandemic, sooner or later, you can bet your bottom dollar we'll have something that hits us like the bubonic plague which God forbid. What are they gonna do that? What will they do when the lights go out?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What will they do if we face, well, if they build a reaction, they can't be put down. You know, you've got a bunch of these little college kids going occupying the central part of a little town in the south of the Midwest, and suddenly they're being shot at by, by, y- by Yahoo's. And, you know, people like you and me are not going to be in a position to tell the Yahoos they're wrong. Much, much as we would like to say, you know, they're just kids, they're stupid. You know, they're kids who are stupid who have come here to mess things up. I don't think so, Mr. Cunningham, Mr. Coulomb. I don't think so. I think they're going home either between their tails, between their legs, or in a box. That's what I think, Mr. Coulomb. And you can save all of your uh, moaning about it for somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's what will really happen.
0: That's not too far off.
1: Nope. The moderate will get shoved aside and they'll see what they've brought upon us. And it could very well be that that's what the people who are paying for it all want. But what they don't realize is that it won't do them any good. Not at all all they can see is two feet in front of their face because I mean, you see even the wicked have dumped down even the wicked is stupid these days it's, it's it's astonishing uh soros must be senile that's all i mean i i hope for his sake that he's senile um, mind you stealing the possessions of uh, members of your own ethnicity who have been carted off? It's not a good way to start a career. Yeah, yeah. But at least he's consistent, I guess. But still, <laughs> uh, I would. I don't want to, you know, like like the late Armand Hammer. He better live a long, long time because I hate I hate to think of what's waiting for him. Oh. Uh, anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to conclude on a downer because you know basically I'm an upscale press, upscale upbeat I don't know that I'd say I'm upscale but I'd certainly say I'm upbeat Uh, and I am because in with and under all this dreadfulness and horror yesterday was the feast of the sacred heart Christ is still king Mary is still queen Uh, today is the summer solstice and so we know that the year is continuing in its courses that the grass is green because it's summer autumn will come Maybe not to the south, but it will come to, uh, to uh, places. Uh, hey, we we skipped
0: that part here. L- what's that? We skipped that, that here. <laughs> yeah,
1: sadly, as they do in SoCal, you know, it's, yeah. it's you get right down to business with winter. Yes. But, uh, you know, and then the winter will come and Christmas will come. But even if we're not in a position to celebrate it, uh, it will still come. And to the degree that we remember these feasts, they'll gladden our hearts. I'm, I'm reminded of the last Christmas. Did I tell the story uh, of this space before? The last Christmas that Emperor Karl and Empress spent in Austria.
0: No, go for it.
1: Well, after he gave up, uh, not, he never abdicated, but after he gave up participation in government, he left Vienna and went to a sort of hunting lodge castle uh, north of Vienna in a place called Eckartsau. Well, the last Christmas they spent in Austria was Christmas of 1918, and it was really dismal. The only food they had was what could be shot in the woods. They had about 150 people with them. Some of them worked for them, some of them were refugees. Uh, and they didn't know what the future held by any stretch for them personally. And of course the Czar and his family had been murdered, so that was very much on their minds. They really, really had no idea What lay ahead of them. And if that were the worst of it, the Spanish flu had come through. And the emperor had it and the two youngest kids. They had been very, very sick. But they they fortunately didn't die. But they were very ill. And by the time Christmas rolled around, the biggest thing that bothered them, although they were able to have mass, was that they had no gifts for the the people who were there. Mm. You know, who were loyal to them. Uh, But... They found it in an attic, a box of the sorts of trinkets, uh, watches, cigarette cases, and so forth, that they would give out on tours around the country in happier days. Usually, you know, they were always giving these things out. They were, they were, uh, but they found a box full of these things, and they used them as Christmas gifts for all of the people who'd stuck by them. And to this day, if you go to the town of Eckharau, there are quite a number of families there that have a watch or a cigarette case. They're very proud to tell you it came from that Christmas of 1918. Huh. Uh, and they had, you know, the emperor was only able to sit up. He was still very sick. He was only able to sit up for a few hours in the living room with the Christmas tree and the, you know, the fire and all that. They sang carols. And for a little while, it was very, very pleasant. And that's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how bad things are or how bad they may get in the future, it is important to remember that all of this has an end. And it has a point. And we're all, all of us here at this time right now, because God has decided that we should be. This is the time for you and me, right here, right now. So if you ask yourself, oh, you know, if only I were living in, name a period you like. No, you probably would have lost your soul. That's why you're here. So this is our time, ladies and gentlemen, right now. Not the past, not the future now make the present as good as you can and the future will take care of itself but you've got to focus on that and also on eternity Uh, those two things the here and now and eternity everything else nostalgia may make you a little happier the future may give you hope but you've got to focus on doing the job now and getting to heaven
0: because we're not made for here, we're made for heaven, right? It's-
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look look at it this way, if you go to hell, this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. This is it. (laughs) But if you go to heaven, even if you go to purgatory in in, in between, this is as close to hell as you'll ever (laughs) get. So be of good cheer. Uh, and, you know, meditate on the saints. Dear old Emperor Carl, you know, he died in misery.
0: There's a book you wrote but, by of him, right? It's coming out. Oh,
1: but... did I mention this? I'm sorry. Was that a plug? <laughs> you know, again, I've said this before, but I remember in the 60s on the talk shows, apparently you weren't supposed to plug yourself, you know. <laughs> so it's like, so Bob, uh, what are you be doing this coming month? Well, uh, next week I'm appearing at the Palladium. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a plug? And they'd always do this, this stupid over-the-top. Oh, gee Willikers, I'm I'm sorry, I said that. <laughs> and of course, it's pre-recorded and somehow makes the cut. So never I remember,
0: mind. you and Vinny did that. Did a little goof or spin like that for a little bit too.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'll, you you may notice that a lot of what we do on the show is, is riffs off of pop culture that we we've, we've grown up with. You know, the whole endless ad stuff. <laughs> Operators are standing by. <laughs> Only 25 percent that's put, right John.
0: just pay handling
1: <laughs> <laughs> no CoDs void were prohibited
0: <laughs> not available in New Mexico Minnesota <laughs>
1: <laughs> all that stuff I mean and, and I, I told her I know I did this on the, I mentioned this on the show one night but second state TV did a hilarious spoof because you remember they used to have these tech trading ads. <laughs> You know, join the amazing tool and die industry. You know, this kind of thing is for trade schools. So, what they did was uh, take your place in the burgeoning uh, standby operator industry <laughs> <laughs> 50 famous standby operators school. <laughs> you too can be one of those people of whom they say operators are standing by. <laughs> 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 I I gotta tell you ladies and gents that that it's not all horrible. <laughs> Keep your sense of humor and uh remember the sophistication of old humor. You know, uh one of my one of my favorite lines from Green Acres I, I may have said this on this show before, but I don't said it on others. It just every time I think of it I crack up. Oliver Douglas has decided he's gonna go back into lawyering. So Mr. Haney drives his garbage mobile up onto the lawn as usual, you know. He says, Well, Mr. Douglas, I understand you're going back into lawyering. Yes, Mr. Haney, that's right. Well, I've got something here that's guaranteed to help you. What is it, Mr. Haney? And he brings out a stuffed monkey. And he says, What's that? This here was the star witness in the Scopes Monkey Trial. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get away with humor like that. Today. It's too sophisticated. They went, yeah. what? <laughs> I mean, they uh,
0: Here's your one for these times. Turn on Blazing Saddles. <laughs>
1: Oh boy! You would be <laughs> shot by if anyone sees you watching it. But yeah, see that the, the the enemy of humor is stupidity. Humor can't take stupid. You know Seinfeld, who's sometimes funny, he's not my favorite comedian by a long shot. But he won't do colleges anymore, right? And colleges, ladies and gentlemen, colleges used to be the ticket for comedians because there was a time. When were with fighting little people, afraid of ideas. Ooh. they were people who appreciated a good gag. And uh, there's still a, uh, a series of videos out there called College Humor, which has some really, really funny things on it. Sometimes it's a bit vulgar, but they have a lot of funny things. Uh, but by and large, people are just too sensitive, t- too tiny, they need to be put back to bed by their nannies.
0: The voice you keep making it—I it, it, don't think you were shooting for Elmer, but Elmer Fudd doesn't have a rifle anymore.
1: No, he said they have a rifle because he could hit your poor with a wabbit. Yeah, like, yeah he,
0: he needed to—he did need to try something else because he never had bugs. But yeah,
1: they—well, they, he, <laughs> he never—he was well, he was never as smart as Bugs, and I don't see why people didn't catch on to that. <laughs> you know. I mean, Bugs Bunny was by far smarter than uh, Elmer Fudd. And yet people considered Bugs the victim. <laughs> Poor Elmo was the, was the chump. Uh, every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... Uh, I'm going to get that Wabbit. I'm going to get that Buddy Wabbit.
0: I'm hiding Wabbit. How do we, we go from imperialism to normal Fudd? What's that? How do we go from imperialism to Elmer Fudd?
1: Well... It, well, we went from the we went from uh, from looking at the history of the world to current day American uh, the current day American situation. So I think going from empire to Elmer Fudd makes perfect sense.
0: Stock up on Aunt Jemima while you're at it, because that's going to be a rare thing.
1: And Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. You know they were married, don't you? <laughs> Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima. <laughs> that's what my brother told me when I was little. He said they were husband and wife. And he and he actually claimed they were our relatives. <laughs> he was horrible. He really was. I said, But there are relatives? He says, Yeah, that's true. Uncle Ben, you're Aunt Trevima. Well, I've i I've, I've never met them. He said, Of course not. There are rich relatives. <laughs> very rich relatives. They're very rich. The Uncle Ben is a is a rice, uh, a rice tycoon. And his wife has the quarter on pancake syrup and, uh, uh-huh. and flour. And he said they were too snobby to come see us. <laughs> and I believed him for a long time. You know, you have no idea. When I finally told my dad, because I, I, I'd gotten tired of it. Uh-huh. So this actually would often happen. My brother would fill me with this drivel. And I would tr- try not to let on of the parents because you know, it was kind of between us, right? Yeah, yeah. But eventually we'd get to a point where I'd sort of pop, and I'd go to my dad, and after he'd stop laughing, he would say, son, <laughs> you, know, you really can't take everything your older brother says seriously. You, you really can't. So I, uh, you know, on this particular occasion, I went to him and I said, uh, Dad, I'm tired of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben never visiting. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, What? I said, onviima just because they're rich they won't come see us <laughs> and I'll tell you he started laughing so hard he said where did you ever get that idea and I told him the whole story and, and again he just he lost it completely I, I can still see him <laughs> roaring and the, the funny thing is one of his sons I won't mention my uh, my nephew Robert's name but one of my <laughs> one of his sons is the same way I mean that kid, he will tell you stuff with a straight face. And, you know, it's easy to believe it. So he pulled another one of these things recently and got his mother all up in arms. And she complains to my brother, her husband. And Andre told me, he said, I had to say to her, you know, Joanne, who told you this? Well, Albert. He said, yes. And so I said, yeah, Andre. And who does he get it from?
0: (laughs) I admit, I do that to my wife all the time, poor lady, she's married to me, it's never-ending, it's merciless.
1: It's called treatment. Because you see, as the Soviet Psychiatric Service told us back in the 70s, punishment has to end at some point. Treatment can last forever.
0: Well, Everybody's Charles Cologne. We'll be back again next week or the week after. Get his book. 15% off. You type in the code SF15 at checkout at thetanbooks.com. Website for the book uh, and for Emperor Charles. Get it. Get it for a friend. Help educate and, others.
1: And who knows, if I make it home at all this summer, like in uh, September, which I'm hoping, maybe, uh, perhaps I'll be able to do some book promotion. There we go. That he- would be good.
0: He's also on Off the Menu every Monday.
1: You bet. And if you remember, if it's Monday, it's Off the Menu. And the soul you save may be your, maybe own. your own.
0: But wait, there's more.
1: <laughs> take care, void bud. Where, void where prohibited by law. <laughs> void where the revenues have caught up with us.
0: <laughs> uh, take care, bud.
1: God bless, pal. Be good.